Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the third of our new format dialogues. My name is Tom Dennis, uh, and I'm the CEO of Serenity and Leadership, which is a culture change consultancy and training organization. Be because we work with changing cultures for a long time, it, it really has become so strongly obvious to us that inclusion must be a fundamental stanchion of any culture change program. And so that's why we focused in, in on it. And the, the aim of these events each month, we run them on the, the third Thursday of each month, is to initiate a dialogue by inviting an expert in their field to come and speak. Now, today, the subject is op optimizing for inclusion, the LGBT plus lens. And our speaker is Hepsi Pemberton. Hepsi started her first business at the age of 24 and worked with a number of asset management financial firms before founding Equality Group three years ago. She helps companies diversify their teams and create a more inclusive culture with her executive search, consulting, and education services. For her most recent study, she decided to focus on the LGBT dimension because she sees it as a particularly powerful one for thinking about inclusion and how people are welcomed and accepted, or not, in an organization. Hepsi's a, a, a big picture thinker, a vision setter, and soon to be an author. We're looking forward to reading your coming book, Hepsi, The Diversity Playbook. Over to you. Thank you so much, Tom. It's a pleasure to be with you all here today. And I'm gonna introduce myself and the work that we do at Equality Group, and then dive into the research that we've developed over the past eight months on an LGBT plus lens. Um, it is specifically focused on the investment management industry, but I think a lot of the findings and the principles within the research can be applied to other sectors. And of course, the investment management industry invests in every sector, so has an outsized role and influence to play across the corporate landscape. So Equality Group, as Tom mentioned, I founded this business three years ago with the explicit intent of putting inclusion and diversity at the heart of the work that we were doing. And I'd worked in finance and asset management for over 12 years and really saw the need for more diversity, inclusion and social sustainability. Also very strong belief in the business case and the strategic value of really looking at this dimension and embedding it in the core of the business. That's not only from the multiple years of research that's done around it, but it's from my own experience of having worked in the industry and seeing the real gaps that, that there were. And a sense that actually people were wanting to do something about it, but didn't always know what to do. And that was the point of starting the firm. So we are specialists in um, asset management, private equity, VC, long only um, asset management firms as well. And um, as Tom mentioned, we work across diversifying um, the leadership pipeline through executive search, the strategic consultancy side and our inclusion education as well. So how do you really upskill teams on this topic of social sustainability, inclusion and diversity? Last week, we launched our first inclusive index for the PE and VC industry, so private equity and venture capital firms. We ranked over 300 firms on diversity and inclusion metrics, uh, 45 different metrics across that, that breadth of diversity and inclusion factors. 
Based on the academic research, um, we, we have an academic head in inequality group and also business best practice. So we looked at what excellent, what good looks like, met, created the metrics from that, and then measured firms on their progress from publicly available information. That really is about a call to action for the industry to be held to account and also to try and make progress. So this is the start of an annual process of measuring what is happening in the industry um, on, on this inclusion and diversity spectrum. Just quickly, I think this is a very uh, experienced and knowledgeable crowd, but what am I talking about? When we talk about diversity, um, sometimes people can say, you know, this is the, the differences between them, but we're not talking about just any difference between us. We're talking about specific demographic differences that have certain biases and have certain barriers and opportunities attached to them. And also trying to think about intersectionality and looking at trying to, we're always trying to encourage our partners and our clients to think more intersectionally because so often the conversation is on gender, on race, but isn't as broad as it needs to be. And when we're thinking about inclusion, um, we think of inclusion as that sense of belonging, an environment where people feel welcome, they feel that they're treated equally, that they're respected. And measures of that would be fairness and transparency and a sense of belonging. And we would also measure it by other factors like how many people are retained through the pipeline because there is a real leaky pipeline issue when it comes to diversity. And inclusion is particularly important in every industry, but especially in investment management because you have a huge pyramiding effect of diversity where you have far less diverse leadership teams, quite diverse intakes at the junior level Part of the reason why that isn't progressing through are systemic barriers within the system, but also a lack of really an inclusive culture. And that's what some previous research we've conducted has shown, that people don't stay in the industry because they don't actually fundamentally feel that the industry is for them. And so we looked at how could we start to think more deeply about inclusion and building on the work of the gender lens, which has grown over the last couple of decades and, and many investment management firms have considered, in fact, from all the ones we interviewed for this research, 45 uh, global funds, over half of them had already looked at a gender lens. So this has become fairly popularized, adopted, considered. But when it came to an LGBT plus lens, over 85% of them had never considered that. So, Let's just think quickly about what is an LGBT plus lens. Well, in the investment management industry, it would be understood as the practice of investing for financial return whilst considering the LGBT plus community, both internally within your firm, but also externally within the market, consumers, stakeholders and retail investors, in fact. And it's thinking about what are the economic benefits to those communities? but also the social benefits within the societies that they're operating within. Because the reality is there are still 74 countries in the world where it is illegal to be uh, in a homosexual relationship that can vary from lifelong imprisonment to the death penalty. So having a sort of global outlook on an LGBT plus lens and having a social as well as an economic outlook is extremely important. And we 
We came together with an alliance of organizations to ensure that we could have that global perspective and we could also have an intersectional perspective. So here on the left of this slide, you'll see we joined with LGBT Great, which is a campaigning organization and an NGO that works to um, profile role models within the investment management industry who are from the LGBT community and also encourages allies as well. So that's people that are visibly supportive of the LGBT plus community. LGBT Capital is an Asian based fund that advises funds on how to embed an LGBT plus lens into their investing process. And the Bissi Alimi Foundation is a campaigning charity um, based out of Nigeria, but operating across Afri other African countries as well, is raising awareness around LGBT plus rights. And so we came together to conduct this research, uh, which was done over an eight month period. And there were three parts to the research study. We had a review of the existing literature about the, the value, the business case and the value of considering an LGBT plus lens when investing because there is some very good research out there in existence. We then interviewed 45 very senior investment professionals from across the investment management industry at over 30 global funds on uh, an LGBT plus lens. Had they considered it? What did they think it was? How is it being utilized? And what they saw the opportunity, the wider market opportunity. And then we also had a survey that went out to LGBT plus um, consumers and investors and allies, and that went to over 200 um, individuals globally. And so we combined those three data, data points to come up with insights of where we are currently with an LGBT, LGBT plus lens and also what the opportunity is going forward, critically as a measure for inclusion within organizations, because if we think about an LGBT plus lens as a, a measure of diversity, it's actually much harder to measure than say a gender lens or a race lens because it is not visible. And therefore people need to feel comfortable enough. They need to be in an environment where they feel safe, psychologically safe, physically safe in some environments to disclose their, that diversity characteristic. And so, the measure of that safety and that belonging is the inclusion. And that's why I think it's such a powerful lens to apply both internally for organizations and externally as they think about their products, their marketing and, and their wider reach. So what came out of the study, there were three key insights um, and, and bear in mind, this is for the investment management industry, but I'm sure can be applied across other sectors. The first was that there is a huge knowledge gap. Now we had 100% of firms say that they really believe in social sustainability as driving investment returns and being a good form of risk management. So ESG has had a huge uh, development and progress in the industry and a lot, a lot of funds, billions of funds going into ESG investing. And, and the S has been somewhat neglected at the same time, 100% of investors that we spoke to said they believe in the business case for social sustainability. But whilst they were saying that, 85% of them had said they had not even considered an LGBT plus lens. And we had to spend quite a bit of time talking about what that was. This is compared to 53% that had already adopted a gender lens. 
On the right-hand side of this slide, you can see what the market size and the market opportunity is from the LGBT plus community globally, which is 23 trillion total household wealth and growing year on year, and 4 trillion annual spending and investing power. And in fact, the week before we launched this research, we got an endorsement from, from Elton John saying, I want to see an investment managers who are considering this um, in their portfolios, because that's where I want to put my money. So it was encouraging to see that as a visible role model say, this does matter as an investor and a consumer, I will make decisions based off this. And from the global consumer survey that we had, 90% said that an LGBT plus approach was essential to them in their investment decisions. At the same time, over 80% said that their financial advisors or portfolio managers had not ever mentioned uh, an LGBT plus lens or considerations to them in, in conversations with them. So we can see that there's, there's a big knowledge gap in the industry currently. The second insight was that there's a need for greater awareness and also a need for more training to build an understanding of what, what are the, what is the LGBT plus agenda? What are the this community and how do you develop um, processes and products for that market opportunity that does exist. So we saw that um, a number of 86% um, uh, of consumers said that they are looking for evidence that an LGBT plus lens has been adopted by investors. So a lot on the demand side, but when it comes to the supply side, there really isn't enough awareness or understanding of what this would mean. So 34% said there'd be no training at their firm. And then slightly concerningly, 25% said that there'd be mandatory training within their firm. And the reason that this is concerning, which might seem slightly counterintuitive, is that the research would show that making diversity inclusion training, unconscious bias training, mandatory is that it can build up resentment and can in fact set the diversity and inclusion agenda backwards. Instead, what you need to do is make sure that you have visible leaders and role models saying that this matters, this is why, this is the business case, this is the value opportunity for us as a firm. We therefore want to engage in this training. We are doing it ourselves. We would encourage everyone else in the organization to do it. This is the value that it would have and role model and see that through rather than making it sort of mandatory for all managers when they don't really understand why it's important or what the value is. So it's much more a sort of communication um, imperative around that. The third insight was around lack of quality data and metrics. And this uh, was a, a, an extensive conversation because unlike with other diversity factors like gender, uh, race, you can't just measure the number of LGBT plus people on boards. So you do not have that data. That data isn't necessarily one that is available. And you're looking at more than just counting the number of individuals uh, in place. You're looking at the environment within the workplace that would encourage that openness, that transparency, that sense of belonging where people feel that they can be their full authentic selves in whatever way that would look like. And so how do you how, how do you measure inclusion? And there are many, many firms that are not measuring it. And there are firms that are measuring it in completely different ways. 
So it becomes very, very hard to um, create a consistent and reliable data set to then embed into investment decisions. And this is a, a, significant, uh, a significant challenge. And it means that sort of 88% of investors have said that this, this is the biggest stumbling block to developing an LGBT plus lens because they don't have access to the data and they don't always know which data they would go about collecting. At the same time, I would say there's something about them needing to collect it for their firms internally. They need to understand what inclusion means within their fund and for their organization and for their teams before they then go to companies, corporates that they invest in and demand that level of disclosure and transparency on inclusion. So a challenge, but a big opportunity, I would say, to develop um, more, more consistent, high quality data around inclusion. And it would be one of the, the main questions I'd have for this audience, which is like, what do you think is the best measure for inclusion? You know, if there was going to be one data point that was collected for across the industry and across companies that would give you an indication of how inclusive they were, what would that be? And I would love to hear people's ideas on that. So we made a final uh, sort of recommendation roadmap to, to, to be shared with the industry, which has a number of, of points within it. I mean, firstly, it's about people putting their houses in order. You know, if, if over 80% have not con considered it, there's a, you know, over a third that haven't even been trained on an LGBT plus agenda, then there's a real need to, to raise that awareness level, raise the education put in place key strategies and plans internally to then be able to think about how do you develop this as, a, as an investing framework and how do you then engage with external corporates and companies on this topic. And also about partnerships with third parties, both from the data perspective, but also from sort of the advisory and expertise side. And, and those three activities coming together should drive the LGBT plus lens progress in the industry. We also said that there's a real need for more role modeling and leadership on this topic. You know, we've seen um, funds like BlackRock come out very strongly advocating for, for climate change, for environmental sustainability. Uh, they, they actually put out some targets around diversity and inclusion, but there was no mention, that was on gender and race, but there was no mention of LGBT plus lens or inclusion specific metrics. So I still think there's a long way to go for, for the industry, um, but a, lot, a big opportunity for funds that really take this on and, and look to embed their understanding of inclusion, both internally for themselves and across their, their investing approach and frameworks. Well, Hepsi, would you like to just complete from your point of view what you've heard and what you feel? Thanks, Tom. I think I, I feel the sense of, of, of hope mixed with some uh, awareness of not getting complacent, I think, especially uh, for those of us sitting in the UK, um, that we can play a leadership role wherever we are being part of the community or allies for the community. And I would encourage everyone to think about what allyship could mean for them and what a bit of activism could be 
uh, one idea would be as uh, you know, as pension holders, as, as shareholders and investors, which I would imagine the majority of us are to some extent, is to hold uh, the investment firms to account for what they are doing and to ask the questions, maybe challenging questions about uh, is an LGBT plus lens being considered and what does it mean? And to think about putting a little more pressure on companies to innovate, to think about this huge market opportunity uh, that comes from this community and, and the allied community as well, and, and be part of creating some of that change in the wider market, but you know, also in our, in our companies too. And, and I think there's an opportunity for all of us to be leaders uh, in that way to lead as allies and to lead as members of the community to keep seeing change and to have a, a thought for the global perspective uh, as well and and the progress that still needs to be made globally thank you thank you very much Hepsi, and thank you for the for the talk and for sparking the the dialogue and and for bringing that structured approach with the data which i know is so important and actually in the environment in which you're working is so important and it, it it's really struck me that this challenge which i mentioned earlier of of encouraging um ceos leaders who are so very focused on running a business to give the 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 space to looking at what would it mean to our organization if we were fully inclusive because the, the, the data is so persuasive, and yet there is so much resistance to it, as I see it. So it's half past one. Thank you all for joining. Come back next time on the 15th of April to listen to Fiona Hathorn talking about how difficult it is to collaborate in an inclusive way. In the meantime, go well, go safely, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.